0: hello everyone this is adam meister the bitcoin meister the disrupt meister welcome to the this week in bitcoin show today is july the 5th 2019 we don't take an extra day of vacation here no way strong hand long-term thinking be a unique beast Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Having hype? Unconfiscatable. Okay. One Bitcoin offended by selling. You know all the things. Personal responsibility is new counterculture. Juan Galt is here. Phil Geiger is here. Chris Black is finally back in the house, baby. And he's going to be ripping it up in a second and people will be like, why do you have that guy on your show? But (laughs) he is is an awesome marketing dude, but he's got some things to say. Anyway, check out all the links. They're all linked to below. Um, And I want to say I've got a new shirt on. Yet again, and th- again, you check out these guys. They are linked to below. Lightning Hood. I mean, it's, I, this is my first green Bitcoin shirt. Come on, dudes, check it out. You can get shirts like this there. I mean, they sent me so many. It's awesome. And I, oh, here, this hat too, a, a samurai hat. I mean, it's pretty cool. This. I don't wear hats, but you know, maybe. Okay, okay. So let's let's jump right into it here. Uh, Bitcoin dominance been increasing. Uh, It's to me, it seems like – and altcoins, it seems like there's some people that are throwing in the towel on these altcoins, and they're just – are coming back into Bitcoin. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you on your take with that.
1: You know, it's like every time we have these conversations, we kind of group together altcoins, right? Like there's Bitcoin, and then there's altcoins, and then there's nothing else. Okay, which is a bunch of, you know, in my opinion, nonsense. I think that there are, there's Bitcoin, which is the granddaddy of them all. And then there's some really awesome innovative projects that are occurring that are both sort of completely divergent from Bitcoin. And some of them are sort of piggybacking on, on Bitcoin and on blockchain technology. Whatever your opinion of them, they're really strong, innovative, technological innovations. Some of them are even inspiring new features of Bitcoin, right? So to me, there's that second stage, and then you've got every, a lot of other stuff. And even that stuff can be grouped into other stuff. Um, And I do agree, like we're seeing like a lot of the the stuff that bubbled up in the ICO phase of this, of, of the last craze, you know, 2017 craze, sort of just falling off the map, right? Because a lot of stuff came about built on, a lot of it built on Ethereum that just wasn't, it didn't have meaning. It didn't have substance, it had no technology, no ideas. The stuff that's still around that's still important is the stuff that has actual uh implications with technology you know new ideas new thoughts privacy you know uh, DeFi. you know there's all these different things that are really really important and i'm a firm believer that the price is very much detached from the utility or the potential utility of any of these projects so i think price is important but i don't think that it it's really it's tied more to emotion and to mania than it is to the actual potential usefulness or importance of the technology.
0: Okay, so you you have you know that there is a top tier. There are top tier altcoins out there, basically. That that that's the way I say. It. There are some ones that are going to survive. And so you say that the lower, the nonsense ones, the bottom tiers. Some of it's flowing back in the Bitcoin now, but you're you're not seeing. Uh, price reflecting utility in in, in terms of so you're seeing undervalued altcoins out there a few
1: yes i think they're undervalued but i think that that in my opinion like there is really no um, link between any price including bitcoin's price and the actual utility of it there's no reason that you know six months ago bitcoin's price should have been half of what it is right now the utility of it has not changed, right? The actual function of Bitcoin has not changed in that time. You know, not nothing has changed that has caused the price change. So all price changes in crypto are determined by human emotion, herd mentality, and mania.
0: Okay, so then, okay, I, I understand. <laughs> I consider a you something that Bitcoin does. It's it's a safe haven. It's you don't consider that a, a utility, or I mean, that, no, sure I do.
1: Okay. I I do, but okay. the ability of it to be a safe haven has not changed in the past three to six months to reflect the price change. The, the, when the price went from 3000 to 18,000, there were some things that happened during that time, but nothing to cause a six X, you know, nothing then to cause a a, a 90% or whatever decrease. So price is completely detached. You cannot determine what, here's the moral of what I'm saying. You cannot determine the value of altcoin technology by its price. You have to look at each project on its individual technological and ideological merits in order to really understand them. You can't group them all together and look at the price. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm starting to get off topic with the safe haven thing because the the environment has changed in the world though. More people desire a safe haven, but you're saying Bitcoin is just as much as a safe haven as a, it, it didn't become a better safe haven. It's it's always been what it's been in terms of its safe haven ability.
1: Well, arguably it gets becomes more of a safe haven the more the more it's adopted, right? Okay. So yeah. and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, I think that the efforts to to increase Bitcoin adoption have kind of have kind of stalled. All right,
0: Juan, we, we have just put a lot on the table there. What do you want to
2: uh, rip apart there or add to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that uh, the price is completely detached from the value of the coins. Uh, there certainly is a lot of room for volatility and emotional kind of trading and, and all the hype and all the FOMO and all the further that happens in crypto. But there certainly is a base, right? We, it's not like we went back to $300, even though the proof of work was, of Bitcoin was still, you know, it was probably one of the, maybe the biggest uh, computing network in the world three years ago, four years ago. Uh, and it was still like, you couldn't take down Bitcoin, you couldn't push it over, right? Uh, there's certainly, you know, better technology on Bitcoin today. Um, but I mean, I'm looking at the stock market, kind of the, the, the market capitalization of a company like Apple, right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how much it is, but it's, it's about, you know, a few, a few hundred billion dollars, right? So Bitcoin's market cap right now is $200 billion. And, and it's, not, it's not even as big as Apple, right? So and that's Apple, Apple is a giant, right? It's an empire. Um, so some of these altcoins are maybe not worth more than Apple, right? I think when they do, the price should reflect that, but we do have things to compare their their value against. And uh, I do think that the market responds, even though it is it is certainly slow. Um, I am, on the, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, on your side, there is interesting altcoins out there. Uh, there's interesting projects, you know, Monero is definitely one of the ones that has a lot of clout and a lot of influence because it is, you know, very, um, it, it's different enough and and, and and it has been done properly. So people really uh, appreciate it. It it has a kind of gravitas, right? The thing is like Bitcoin is not a, um, it's not a stock. It's not a corporation. It is, um, it is store value. And store value is a lot more valuable than things like uh, payment networks, right? If you stack Visa, MasterCard and PayPal's uh, market caps, right, of their stock, it gets to about a trillion dollars, but the market cap of gold is about $8 trillion. And so it doesn't matter, right? Some things are more valuable than others, and and Bitcoin right now has that sort of store of value of gravitas, uh, and I do believe it will reach um, payment processing sort of medium of exchange status. But it just it's really hard to do that when uh, when you have when you don't have stability in the currency. So that'll probably go when, happen when we plateau, when we finish, you know, going super parabolic, and we start to stabilize. Then it'll really kick in because now you won't have to swap it and exchange it and and stress about the volatility. Alright, I, I want to go
0: back to one of the original points I put out there with, with the altcoins because you do know about altcoins, Juan. Do you do you see this trend continuing that the lower tier ones people are going to throw in the towel and, and get into Bitcoin? Is that one of the reasons Bitcoin's been pumping lately?
2: I mean, I've been, I've been throwing the towel on a few. Like, I capitulated on my altcoins about a week and a half ago, two, two weeks ago. Okay. Still have some, but like I definitely capitulated. Um, If you look at dominance chart on on Bitcoin, um, there was uh, you know it was eighty five percent ish for a long time. In around two thousand and seventeen, February, it just plummeted, right?
0: Because of Ethereum, yeah, it was because of the scaling, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: right. The scaling rate and Ethereum went went parabolic, and that was kind of like you know that was the big that was the big alt season, right? A lot of altcoins pump with it. Ripple pump with it, and then the the altcoin market as a whole pump with it as well. And that that's the white line if you look at if you're looking at the uh dot com dominance chart. And we've been sort of oscillating, but it, there's definitely like a a kind of bull trend in dominance happening. And 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 I don't know that that that's not necessarily a lot of new money coming into the market. That's like money coming back from altcoins into Bitcoin. Um, I do expect that to continue to happen just because the store value is um, it's just a different animal, right? Like you, you don't, you don't simply come up with a store value company or project or solution. That's not how it works. It's not a product of capitalism or, or, or entrepreneurship so much as it's kind of like a natural phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. Like people will trade gems and seashells, right? And it's not like somebody was like, I'm going to start a seashell money company, right? Like that, that's not, that's not how it happens. I don't think. And so, and so I think, um, yeah, you know, I think Alcons will will be here with us for the rest of time. And and tokenizing things is there's a lot of interesting stuff about tokenizing art, and you know, there's there's coin currencies, right? Like people are not gonna stop creating money now that we figure out how to create money out of thin air. But but for something to actually attain the valuations that Bitcoin has, or even like Ethereum has, I mean, that's not arbitrary anymore. And I think the 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 veil, like the 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 veil of of, of Alcoin hype, has has taken a serious, uh, some serious damage over the last three years because people that actually go and play with these things and like use them and stuff realize that it's play money and nobody accepts it. And I think uh, it has more utility in certain aspects, like um, you know, like stock trading and, and collectibles. Uh, you know, maybe some other stuff will come. I mean, I, I don't want to rule everything out, but that's that's kind of where I'm at.
0: Let it, let them keep on innovating down there. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Uh, you, you said something very interesting that you know the Bitcoin is a store of value coin, and I, I agree with that, and that you really can't create a store of value coin uh, out of uh, thin air. So no one's gonna, <laughs> some people aren't gonna like hearing that. <laughs> See yesterday's show, but uh, Phil, what what's your take on all this? What's uh, what's your take? There's been a lot thrown out there now. Altcoins, Bitcoin store of value. Take it away.
3: Yeah, so I've spent the last few years really trying to um, define a good explanation of why we're seeing Bitcoin grow in value. And I think the best, most like, clearest description I have is that Bitcoin solves the problem of inflation by increasing in decentralization over time. Um, So Bitcoin, from my perspective, is the only asset that we've ever seen that is actually not currently possible to manipulate the supply. And as a result, people are trying to find uh, a place where they can store value in an asset that isn't going to be manipulated. So we're finding uh, that Bitcoin is is just increasing in in magnitude over time. Um, And since Bitcoin supply is totally fixed, uh, the only thing that really matters is Demand and demand is measured by number of users as well as the amount of value stored in Bitcoin. So we see these like parabolic spikes and crashes. I think because it's sort of like tidal waves of adoption, like hitting up against this completely immutable supply of coins. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Bitcoin is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Um, at you know, altcoins will be around for a while, but. I view them as uh, you know, a form of inflation and so I personally will never be converting my BTC into any altcoins. Um, I think when it comes to altcoins, there's, there's kind of a, a difference between what the founders a lot of times want the project to be and then how the free market actually treats the projects. Um, and since they're trading internationally on these different exchanges and they're priced against BTC or uh, against, you know, other altcoins. What we're seeing is that over, over time, they're actually decreasing in value. Whereas for Bitcoin, time is one of its strongest, um, you know, value propositions. Like as time passes, the thing just gets more and more value.
0: Yes. Long-term thinking for Bitcoin. It just keeps on getting deferred gratification. Now, Pound that like button, also people. And Casey uh, Wittern Witter, uh, sent a five bucks. Meister, love your show. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, I will, Casey. Every single day. Pound that like button. Uh, Chris, I want to go back to something that you said before because I know you like Ethereum, and I am not an Ethereum hater. Like some people are just like, oh, it's it's a scam. It's a this. I mean, clearly it's not a scam. Um, and there's a lot of innovation going on, and there's kind of cool things you can do with it now. You mentioned DeFi. Um, I think a lot of people throw that word term around uh, just as a catchphrase, uh, just just to promote their businesses or some coin they're gonna uh, are they're, they're gonna promote soon. Uh, so, are, how close are we to that really being real? I mean,
1: well, DeFi decentralized finance is 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 real in that it exists. I mean, there's some amazing applications that are now available on Ethereum and. Other places, too, which I haven't really explored yet, admittedly. But I can tell you right now that on Ethereum, the future of banking is being created. The future of, of finance is being created on the Ethereum platform right now. Whether or not it stays on the Ethereum platform is a different story. But the ideas, and this is the most important part. There's the technology side to all this, and then there's the ideological side to all this, coming up with these ideas. The ideas that are being come up with by by things like MakerDAO and by groups like Compound Finance and by, you know, there's all these different ways that you can now leverage your money. Um, you can You can get interest on your money. And it's one thing to look at these projects as end all be all, you know, just unto themselves, but it's a whole other thing to look at these projects and imagine five, 10 years, what they're going to look like, you know, and how they could be adopted in different ways, even outside of the Ethereum platform, even uh, ignore the fact that they run on ETH currently, you know, what could they look like if they're adopted by, you know, the the broader finance industry. So DeFi is very real. It is happening. And I agree with you. Like there's a lot of people just like with any term in this industry that are, you know, that's being abused um, and used in inappropriate ways. DeFi is real and it's in the very... Nation prototype stages right now, you know, but it's really important to look at all of these projects, every altcoin, not just as what it is today, but for its future potential. And and just one thing, like that's really important distinction because when I look at these projects, I'm not just looking at them as investments or as will my money 10x in five years, you know, I'm looking at these things. I have a much broader level of interest as to how all of this is going to change the world and that's why, with Bitcoin specifically, my my I'm a staunch Bitcoin supporter, but I'm also a very harsh Bitcoin critic when it comes to making sure that it stays globally accessible and really hits its fullest potential as a as a peer-to-peer digital currency.
0: All right. Now, what did you th- Phil brought up a very interesting point about altcoins that so- sometimes the founders have want to go in one direction, and everybody else takes it in another direction. Do you see that happening a lot? I mean, people who just want it to ten X basically.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's especially the the coins, you know, a good example. I'm a big fan of a project called Nano, which, um, in my opinion, is and I'm not trying to show it. I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> but it, you know, I think is a great alternative idea to Bitcoin in the way that it think it it considers decentralized currency. But it came out of the gates in 2017, you know, and it's, it has a really awesome dev team that's that's has a bunch of great ideas. Shot from like 25 cents to 35 dollars. Had a, a exchange hack, third party exchange hack that killed the price. You know, dropped back down to like 75 cents. And in the eyes of anybody who's looking at this as an investment, it's like, well, who the hell cares about nano? Like the price is crazy. It's sitting at a dollar, and like, but in my eyes, I see, wow, this is a great idea. You know, this is like the the, the technology, the the idea there is strong, and it's worth a lot more than DentaCoin or other other garbage uh, coins that are sitting at the bottom of coin market cap. But um, in that regard, you know, yeah, the. The people who buy it and sell the speculators, the investors, can drive the price wherever the heck they want. It's completely detached from the value of the idea and the value of the technology and where it might head.
0: All right. Now I want to. I want to go, Phil. Uh, I had to let you. Do you have a Do you have something to say about DeFi at all? I thought you might. Um,
3: I think it's going to be really hard to build uh, decentralized finance on top of platforms that inevitably centralized over time or are not strong stores of value so i think the concept of DeFi sounds nice um i think if it's going to happen it needs to be built on a rock solid foundation of the strongest store of value and it's just going to take longer than what maybe some of us want to see um, i kind of view bitcoin as basically like a foundational reset of the global economy so i'm i'm a little bit on the extreme side with that but i think that you know we're see, we're already starting to see a bunch of products and services and really cool functionality um, slowly being built on top of Bitcoin, and I think that's the stuff that's really going to stick around. I think the DeFi stuff, you know, a lot of it is interesting experimentation, and a lot of those um, the things that come out of it are um, that are worthwhile can be added to Bitcoin over the long term. But I just don't see um, many of these, many if at all, of these other blockchain projects surviving in the long term because they all some, somewhat centralized. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, that,
0: just where I'm at. <laughs> that's my issue with uh, some of the, the defi it's built on centralized so it's uh, anyway uh Juan do, do you have any thoughts on the defi thing I wasn't planning on asking you but I thought you might have something. Your Oh, your sound is off or your uh-oh sorry yeah, yeah yeah now you're good I think. Now nah,
1: sound is it's something with your mic. Let me just comment fast. well. Yes. Okay. Um you know on the decentralized versus centralized uh, concept. You know, it's really important that we all remember there is no such thing as 100% decentralized. If you look hard enough, you will find centralized aspects of Bitcoin. There are, there's no such thing. It's a sliding scale. You know, decentralized is is a hypothetical that lives over here and completely centralized is a hypothetical that lives over here. Every cryptocurrency lives on this spectrum. Bitcoin is arguably the most decentralized form of money, of cryptocurrency, of, of everything that we're currently aware of. Ethereum lives on that scale. Okay. It's not just, it's not a binary. And as you move down the scale, you start to pick up other attributes. Speed exists farther away from Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is super decentralized, but it gives up speed. It gives up efficiency. It costs more to use, you know, and there are projects that are playing with how much decentralization do we actually need to be secure, you know, and is it worth the pickup and speed? Is it worth it to have a slightly more centralized cryptocurrency that's actually usable by somebody who has a phone in Kenya that wants to send money instantly to somebody in Europe for zero dollars? Let's talk talk about Libra then. Let's talk about Libra. What do you think about Libra? Libra is... um, (laughs) Because
0: really, that, that's going to be easy for some African dude to use, in, most likely. In theory, that's what they're they're uh, marketing it at. But but it yeah. is
1: we it haven't really like. seen it in practice yet. And we you know if it is being built on on blockchain technology, even if it's centralized, it's going to have certain aspects of inefficiency, right? So what we what we don't know yet is what that's going to look like. We don't know what transactions are going to cost. We do know that you know it's going to sacrifice privacy in a big way you know and at first glance it looks to have all the worst parts of um you know all all, it's it's blockchain with with everything good taken out (laughs) right so you know that's really what it looks like to me i don't see um benefits to it and i am in in conflict with you know when i see like joe lubin um who's one of the co-founders of ethereum um tweeting that he thinks this is great the more the merrier in the blockchain space. To me, that's that's uh, blasphemy, because the way I see this is, there's a huge potential that global adoption, if Libra actually gets out there, it can take place. You know, and there's a great chance that people will just go for the easier, quicker, more seamless solution, um, because that's historically all that people have ever done. You know, and we're in the minority. We always have to remember. We are in the very small 1% minority of people that actually care about decentralization, about censorship resistance, about privacy. And if you need proof of that, just look at how many people use Facebook, Google, Twitter. You know, without even thinking about it, they're sharing personal information that the world does not care about the things that we care about. So we need to remember that as Libra rolls out, there's a huge potential that people just go for it. And sort of ignore all the stuff that we're doing. So we have to be conscious
2: of this as we go forward.
0: All right, we're in the one percent, dudes. Pound that like button. Juan, okay, your thought. You you you've got stuff to say.
2: Yeah, let's see. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah, you're great. Great. So, I mean, finance is a very complicated thing, right? There's there's uh, all kinds of derivatives and, and betting kind of arrangements, right? There's there's stocks. There's equity. There's uh, organizational structures that happen, right? There's different roles within organizations. There's, there's companies that are massive and companies that are very small. Um, I agree with. Um, sorry, I forgot your Chris. Chris no, Chris. Chris uh, okay. Phil, I agree with you. Phil, that uh, it, it has to be built on a strong foundation because the, the thing that you're molding with cryptography is the money itself, right? So. You wouldn't you, you wouldn't create a currency, a startup currency in order to create a complex sort of contract that you're going to end up selling against the dollar anyway. Um, so I think I, I agree that that's, that that capital and that and that that talent and that discovery is going to have to move to whatever is the broader currency. And I'm, maybe that's Libra coin. Maybe Ethereum will gain adoption. Maybe it's going to be Bitcoin. I believe it's probably going to be Bitcoin. Um, I think some stuff is going to be built on on, on on some of these big networks I mean Ethereum is a giant. right. Um, so I think, I think that that's kind of where I'm at, but at the end of the day, right, there's, somebody was saying recently that, uh, whenever there's a big depression or recession, the price of things crashes, but the human capital and the infrastructure that's been built remains and it's just cheap, right? So you can buy it cheap and move it somewhere else. Right. And so all the experimentation that's happening in Ethereum, um, you know, if we're, if we're in a kind of, in, in a, if we're betting that it's not going to go. The prices aren't going to go that well. That talent and that and and that experimentation has been done, and it'll move somewhere else if, if Ethereum goes down. But um, yeah, I mean, I do believe that 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 complex finance will will come to crypto, and uh, and 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 stocks and and equity are not going to stop existing. It's a very valuable function of the marketplace. So this sort of anti-tokenized companies sort of attitude that a lot of maximalists have is. I mean, I understand it, but it's it's fundamentally irrational, right? Stock exists, equity exists, and people like to trade it. All right.
1: One question I, for the group, if you don't mind, Adam. Um, oh, please, please. you please, know, if I guess a question I have is regarding decentralized finance, the vast majority, I think we can all agree, like 90 plus percent of innovation, of, of development in the field right now is Ethereum, is, is happening on Ethereum. Developers learn solidity. They go and work on Ethereum to be part of that dev community, and there's, there's, ex, you know, there's a lot more people developing on Ethereum platform than on Bitcoin or any other platform. Um, if we can for, all agree on that. For that, for uh, deep, for DeFi, for DeFi. overall, 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 yes, and for DeFi, yes. Well, you no, know, no, there,
0: there's saying. more people developing on Bitcoin than Ethereum overall. Okay, there are more, more people working on all sorts of stuff on Bitcoin than Ethereum. Ethereum's. I mean, I, I, I can give you that they're more DeFi people well, definitely working on Ethereum. But when I say
1: when I say developing on, I mean, um, developing on blockchain, on chain, you know, so if you're talking about businesses that are sort of, you know, buying, selling markets, you know, like that's one thing with Bitcoin. But I'm talking about developers, tech nerds who are sitting there coding. Um, and that's something that that was not the point of my comment. OK, my, OK, my question key, was,
0: key, yeah. Was,
1: <laughs> yeah, we can debate that later. Yeah, yeah, my question yeah. is going to be, why with DeFi is everybody developing on Ethereum? And why isn't any of this stuff happening on Bitcoin? Like, why aren't there? But it if, is. if Bitcoin is capable of, of smart contracts and of doing everything that Ethereum can do, why it, why is everything, all that development happening and this burgeoning industry occurring on Ethereum?
0: Because that's what Ethereum was built for. I mean, it's programmable money. Bitcoin isn't that. Bitcoin requires a second layer solution to do that stuff on top of it. I mean, that's 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 my take on it. That Ethereum is built for that that kind of experimentation, and I mean, that's why the ICOs got built on that. You you could build ICOs on top of Bitcoin, but it would be on top of a second layer solution. That's 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 my take. So I mean, I'm saying, I mean, that that's a positive thing for Ethereum. That it is it is. More so programmable money at the base layer than, than Bitcoin is. But okay, that's my I I shouldn't I'm the host, but I want to put that Can out I? there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill. Okay. First of all, uh,
3: just a couple of topics ago, uh, we talked about the sliding scale of decentralization. It's really, really important to use time additionally as a metric. So you need to to look at decentralization over time. So when I look at decentralization decentralization over time for something like Ethereum, you know, I see them uh, I see like Infura nodes getting pretty massive. I see them kind of announcing ETH 2.0. It doesn't look to me very decentralized. Um, and then in regards to the, to the developer comment, like I actually do think that there are probably more people developing on Ethereum than Bitcoin. At the same time, I think that that's way more malinvestment. I think it's a lot of time, energy and resources that are being devoted to this. I think Ethereum is kind of a product Um, And I just don't see it lasting, you know, another five to 10 years. Whereas the opposite is kind of true with Bitcoin. Yeah, there's there might be fewer people building products on top of Bitcoin itself. But Bitcoin's value proposition is that it solves inflation. And it's continuing to solve that problem by increasing in decentralization over time. So, I mean, yeah, maybe there's more developers on Ethereum, but what value are they creating? Like, I haven't seen anything... And my
1: question was like, why are they going there? Is it just better marketing? You know, is Joe Lubin paying them each five dollars to join Ethereum or are they actually seeing more potential in the technology for that particular purpose? And is it possible that that technology serves a purpose that Bitcoin simply can't provide right now, which was Adam. Adam was alluding to this, like the technology of Bitcoin is not capable of doing certain things that ethereum is capable of doing yeah. and ethereum is capable of doing it ethereum wouldn't be here if it didn't go through the steps that it's taken to get to where it is right now sure. so again like you know the we all are in love with decentralization i'm in love with decentralization i'm a total liberty geek you know i don't want anybody touching my money i don't want to be censored i don't want to i don't want to be confiscated you know i don't want anything like that but at the same time i recognize that to achieve certain things as a society we have to look at that sliding scale and not everything we do can be on the fully, completely decentralized decentralized to the point of inefficiency realm that Bitcoin is at. You know? So I'm totally with you guys. As, you know, if I'm putting my money somewhere, it's going to be in Bitcoin. It's going to be safe there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have the, the benefit of the network effect. And it's, I, I agree that I think it's going to increase in value. But I also see tremendous pro- um, uh, potential in these other projects that are bubbling up. And I think there is zero chance, zero chance that in 10, 20 years, that Bitcoin is the only blockchain based cryptocurrency in the world. You know, I think that there's zero chance for the sole reason that anybody who has an amazing idea can come up and create one and can, you know, and again, it won't have the Satoshi effect. It won't be decentralized to the point of godlike, you know, but it will have a high level of utility and the world will want to use it. You know so cuz the world again is not looking for Satoshi the world is looking for utility. So will it in 10 years though will it be
0: the only store of value safe haven coin? Chris. Because you I no. mean I agree I agree. <laughs> I, no you say. Cuz I agree in 10 years there's not going to be there'll be plenty of other coins. There'll be plenty of top tier coins and anyone can create a coin anytime they want. To. That's that's the beauty of this revolution that I mean you, you you can create anything. But will it be the unanimous store of value? a safe haven asset, a coin at that point. Uh,
1: you know, to be honest with you, the easy answer, the easy answer based on what we know today is yes, yeah. because we can't see the future, and we've never been able to see the future, you know, and none of us 20 years ago knew or thought that we would have a, a supercomputer in our pocket at all times, you know, and I'm talking about the phone, not not the other thing. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's like, it you just don't know you don't know what's going to happen now theoretically in theory yes i I think like every bitcoin has the best chance it's it's a the i think in, in the history of humanity bitcoin represents the one of the probably the greatest achievement in the financial history of humanity you know as far as like people creating money that is owned by people no governments involved um but at the same time you know looking forward 10 years like it's so difficult to say, you know, and at the same time, we don't know, you know, and, and like, you know, I, I don't like going down this road a lot. But like, for instance, we don't know what's going to happen with Satoshi's million Bitcoins. We don't know. You know, there's all these things. We just don't know. You like and sort of blindly move forward and to just ignore reality is not a thing I do. <laughs> okay. You know, so like that's why I think, you know, we just really don't know. We have to hedge our bets. All right, I want to I want to th- the, the Having show who's got a great channel and I love
0: that he cares about the having. We should all care about it. He said 50 Norwegian krona. He said, "You're also welcome to stay at my place in Norway, Adam, anytime. Host and Guide new video out today." Dude, thank you. Thank you for offering me a place to stay. In. I loved Norway back in 2018. So, uh, and thanks for the 50 Norwegian <laughs> krona. Uh
2: I want to go I want to go back to Juan Galt
0: here. Uh Chris just said a, a lot of things. Did you have any any take on that stuff?
2: Yeah, I have some thoughts. I mean, I agree, nobody knows what's going to happen. We fundamentally don't know the future and we're all kind of trying to figure it out. Um, as far as to why there's more developers in Ethereum than Bitcoin, I mean, I just did a quick Google search and it does seem like there's a lot of articles claiming that there's more developers. Uh, I've been to some Ethereum, I was, I was at DevCon 3, I believe, and uh, it was uh, ginormous, right? It was a lot of people, right? More than I've seen, more than I saw, for example, in, um, at the Honey Badger's uh, in Latvia conference, which is Bitcoin maximalist conference, much, much smaller conference. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's quite possible and, and, and maybe even reasonable to see there's more developers and there's a big, bigger sort of numbers in Ethereum. Um, there's also a history as to why Ethereum happened and, and why it happened not in Bitcoin. It started with uh, colored coins and there's something called the uh, Counterparty that came to be. And people were trying to create tokens and ICOs on top of Bitcoin. And the big debate was, well, Bitcoin is a 10-minute block cycle. Uh, transactions are going to probably grow, right? It's the same debate that happened in the fork, right? And if you do all the stuff on top of the, of the, of the main chain, you're going you're gonna to sacrifice the, the network topology and the network decentralization. It's going to be harder for people to run nodes. It's going to escape civilian computing. That's one of the arguments. There's other arguments involved. And so at some point, that friction meant that Ethereum created, that Vitalik created Ethereum, right? And part of it is in order to fund a lot of this, a lot of this innovation, you actually have to pay for it, right? And so that's why there's so many ICOs and so many different uh, tokens. And and there's a lot of engagement happening in Ethereum on that and a lot of speculative investment. And whereas Bitcoin took a much more conservative route. And I think there is a kind of political kind of uh, personality difference between Ethereum Oriented people and Bitcoin oriented people. Bitcoin people are are, are generally more conservative, more conservative, in my experience. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I'd like to see some demographics and some 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 research on this, but it seems like they're more conservative. They're more more uh, focused on sort of strict order and like to try. And it's not necessarily to paint them in a, in a bad light. It's just they're they're focused on, on keeping things organized and and tight, right? And Ethereum is a lot more creative and and exploratory and and you know move fast, break things, right? And that's a that's a different personality type. And I think, you know, as to what is going to happen at the end of the day, that those two worlds will merge in finance, right? And, 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 and that whatever comes from Ethereum will be built in, in, in many different platforms. And it will probably, one of them will probably dominate. I do think Bitcoin is going to dominate. Um, I, I think you just couldn't build the ICO tokens on, top, on layer one and layer two is being built. And layer two is very complex, crypto, cryptographic finance. If you look at the white paper, if you look at some of the stuff that's happening, um, just the, the amount of smart contracts that are built into lightning network itself is incredibly complex and, and, and it's very sophisticated. And on top of that, we're going to build other things. So I think the lightning network will, will, will take us to the next level. And then on top of that, we'll probably build, um, sort of, we'll start, we'll start bringing some of this sort of equity and tokens and, and more complex sort of, sort of non-Bitcoin denominated assets on top of Bitcoin. I think it will come. But um, it's going to be a while, and maybe Ethereum will dominate that. Um, maybe other, maybe another one will take that market. So, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Third layer solutions, there. Uh, Juan Galt was uh, referring to basically. If you're building something on top of the uh, Lightning Network, that's. Uh, and other people have mentioned that to me. By the way, Tony Traveler, thank you for the twenty dollars in the super chat. He said strong hands, and yeah, man, I got some strong hands. All right, I want to ask Juan, Juan is a big econ guy. Uh, our, Trump is tweeting about for like having a money printing contest with, uh, with China. And I mean, I, I, I not that he's really going to do it. Who knows? But um, do you see uh, inflation on the way? And what's that mean for uh, Bitcoin? Because it seems like they're they're, they're all competing. All, all the big co- company uh, countries are who can inflate more.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very likely that, that Trump will do more inflation. Trump has never had a position of, of, of financial um uh, of being conservative with inflation, right? Like he, he's, he's, that's not how he thinks, right? I think that libertarians are, are, are accurate in, in, in their diagnosis of the marketplace. They're just wrong about a couple of things and they're they're always late, that's the problem. They've been late for 30 years and they're still late. The, the, market, the, the, the American dollar and, and the stock market is at all time highs and breaking new ground. And then we have Peter Schiff and other libertarians like, oh, it's gonna happen. And it's probably gonna happen, right? Um, I think one of the things that, that is not calculated in this equation, from what I've heard, is, is we're, we're in a singularity of technological innovation. Uh, we, we started going parabolic in the industrial age, and then we just we've, we kept going parabolic. And now with the digital age, we're, just, you, we're innovating at light speed, right? And, and that innovation creates new opportunity for people to be more efficient, and that efficiency improves the marketplace. And so as long as inflation stays below innovation, we can probably keep playing the silly game of, of, of inflation. Uh, But I think, I think Bitcoin, because it's scarce, fundamentally scarce, is going to start serving as a counterbalance to that. And, um, I mean, I I have no expectations of Trump, not inflating the the dollar more. I think, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how he plays it. There's ways to play it and, 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 and draw this game out even longer. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very bullish for Bitcoin. Uh,
0: I like how you say as long as inflation stays below innovation, uh, we're cool. And, well, it can keep – the game can keep on going. We've opted out of the game, though, if, you, if you've got Bitcoin, which is great. So you could just watch the game go by. I think that's a great way of pointing of, – of putting things, though. I've never put it that way. But I, I have talked about how I think the, the countries can keep pulling it off. Because people are just satisfied with their big screen TVs. And they, as Chris said, very few people care, care about store of value or savings. <laughs> they just, you know, if they're comfortable and they can buy buy cool, shiny new things, they're happy. And that's what technology provides new, shiny uh, things that uh, people spend on. And they don't notice that a loaf of bread costs a lot more than it used to. Because, uh, And, I, and I, again, so I, I, I'm not into money printing, I'm not encouraging the government to do it. I know that it's going to happen. That is why I'm in Bitcoin. Uh, Phil, your thoughts on uh, one of the reasons I'm in Bitcoin. Phil, yeah. your your thoughts on on uh, Trump and inflation, the and technology, trade yeah, 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 all, all that, and and, um, and, and and safe haven. You know, there's all this stuff going on in Hong Kong now too. Well, I've uh,
3: I've started measuring things in BTC. So when Trump tweets out things like. Stock markets at an all-time high. I'm like, well, measured in which currency? Um, and if you start measuring uh, different assets, like you know, housing, you know, other currencies, and the price of Bitcoin, you see that over time, um, pretty much everything is dropping in prices comparatively. Um, you know, like <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I have an advantage now because I've just started measuring things in BTC. So it's like now I, you know pay yeah. all my bills or whatever. And then anything else just goes goes to the corn.
0: <laughs> you're really, you're valuing your wealth in Bitcoin. You're, I yeah. mean, that, that's what those some of those all coiners have to do too. We didn't talk, I mean, this is a, a given here. We know this, but some of them are like, oh, it went up so much in terms of dollars. But then in, in terms of Bitcoin, no, it didn't, you would have been better holding Bitcoin. Uh, Chris, your, your thoughts on inflation, uh, is it is it uh, coming along? What your thoughts on the politician? odd tweets from politicians there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the reason I, the way I kind of discovered Bitcoin uh, was through just thinking about the nature of money, you know, and the history of money and the fact that money can be anything that we want it to be, you know, if we all agree on it. And um, the fact that inflation occurs without people even realizing it and the fact that people just think, oh, 50 years ago, you could get a brand new car for twenty five hundred bucks. And it's just normal. You know, it's just like the way the world works. Like prices just go up. It's just how it is. In reality, it's not. And people just don't understand it, but they don't take the next step to try to figure out why. You know, and that inflation every single year is the reason why. A gallon of milk goes up and that's right. You know, with Bitcoin, there's no inflation. So, um, you know, but we have to remember, you know, as we're trying to gain adoption, um, yes, for people who understand money and know money and get it, then, you know, the inflation thing, that's a big B right there. The inflation thing um, is an issue, but for the rest of the world, it's not. So I guess the question that I hope everybody is thinking about right now is, and we sort of been moving away from this idea of, of banking the unbanked, you know, and Bitcoin being the technology that can potentially be the world's currency. You know that's used by everyone, not just by people who think about inflation on a day-to-day basis. It's people that want to pay for stuff, people that want to do stuff, people that want to send money from, you know, their their home in New York back back home to uh, Haiti or to different places around the world. And the question is, like, how important is that going to stay over the next one to five years for Bitcoin? You know, are we going to focus in entirely on this concept of store value, which only serves sort of the the elite, you know, top? five percent of the world maybe that actually has value to store or are we going to think about bitcoin gaining global adoption as a peer-to-peer currency and is that going to sort of pick up steam again once lightning picks up you know or is that just something that people aren't going to care about in a couple years
0: well i mean i think the question is in in the present do people do people want to spend uh Crypto coins, and and, and we're gonna see that with Libra. I mean, it's gonna be force. People are gonna. I think that'll be the test. Uh, that that'll give you the answer. If if Bitcoin will need to pivot in that direction a little bit, I don't think it would. I think store value is uh keep on keep on moving on the the trail that that Bitcoin is on. I and let the lightning people work on the lightning. And we'll see if, if people really want to spend Bitcoin, uh, they'll spend the Lightning, they'll use Lightning Network. And if people really want to spend cryptocurrency, we'll see how big uh, Libra Coin be, becomes. But I mean, I, I I get I get your point though. I I, I definitely. Uh, and and this is the point that the B-cashers bring up all the time. Also, so. uh
1: and bringing up these points does not make me a be I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. But I do want to I do want to say, like, there's already proof in the world that people want to use cryptocurrency, even if they're not using it. And all you need to do is look at Western Union. You know, Western Union is a huge, huge, huge business of people paying a lot of money to send money from one country to another. And people are doing it every single day. And these are people that don't make a lot of money. They just need to get money from point A to point B. If they had a cryptocurrency that they could easily use, easily access with really super low fees to send anywhere in the world, bypassing banks, bypassing companies, they would use it. But they don't have one right
0: now. Well, a bit. There's a lot of things that Bitcoin is all that they. Bitcoin is better than Western Union already. It might not. It might not be easier to use than Western Union. That that's when you're comparing Western Union and Bitcoin. Uh, it's our Bitcoin is cheaper than than Western Union. It's just that people don't have their hands on it, and it's I guess it's 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 bulky and complex to use uh, right now.
1: Well, the uh, issue is when you receive it, you can't use it. That's the issue. You know, so when you receive it, you need to convert it to your fiat currency. So that goes back to the idea: if Bitcoin was usable everywhere to buy a sack of rice or a cup of coffee, and this does not make me a be cashier, guys. This is this was the original like kind of idea here. You know, if it could do both. Would it achieve global adoption with the price? Sure. Go- are you
3: familiar with the website CoinDance?
1: Coin. Dance. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, you, so you, can, you can very easily verify whether or not what you're saying like is, is actually true or not, because you have the peer-to-peer exchange volumes around the world for Bitcoin. And what we see in all of these countries that have uh, that are experiencing currency crises is the amount of money flowing into Bitcoin increases. So it is already usable for these people and you can verify that publicly based on these volumes. So this whole narrative about Bitcoin not being useful or being too expensive is, is proven false, false just based on exchange volumes around the world. So because it's not, you know, maybe it's not used right now as the number one form of payment, but that makes sense as well. Like if I give you two currencies, if I give you a dollar, in a Venezuelan Bolivar, which currency are you going to get rid of first?
2: Obviously. Bolivar.
3: Bolivar, of course. Right? So that's, that's what's known as Gresham's theory, where you get rid of your bad currency and you hoard your good currency. And I think that that's a pretty good description for why we see all of these exchange volumes in countries with really bad fiat currencies spike whenever their currencies start collapsing.
1: Right. So it's I think useful it's when your currency is foreign. is going to hell, right? It's useful when you're in Venezuela and you're not planning to convert mm-hmm. your Bitcoin back to bolivars. Well,
3: it's useful yeah. for me right now in the US because I believe that the US dollar is inflating way faster than what is officially, you know, published. So, the store of value use case I think is by far the most important. And focusing on anything else right now, before this thing, you know, has even reached two or 3% of the global population, seems like putting the cart before the horse. This thing is in the process of becoming money. It's not money, like, I mean, it is money, but it's not being used daily for transactions because there's a weaker currency that you want to get rid of first.
1: That's know, It's I really have funny. Uh,
2: it's yeah. Yeah, wine. Yeah, it's, re- it's really funny because back in the day, there was sort of a, an effort to get Bitcoin adoption. Like I, like many old Bitcoiners, we went in like to merchants and like, hey, accept Bitcoin, right? And like had an app and everything. Like I tried to do it in Toronto and a lot of people have done this. And at like the currency aspect of it hasn't caught on and it hasn't caught on in retail, in brick and mortar because A, there's ease of use, questions, B, there's volatility, C, there's a learning curve, it has caught on on the internet. Like I buy a lot of things with Bitcoin online. I pay for my SIM card to the phone uh, data plan on uh, using Lightning Network or BitRefill and such. Um, you know, I buy domain names with it. Uh, I buy flights with it. So you can buy things with it. Here's the problem. If you're if you're getting paid in dollars and you're accepting Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin is your preferred store value. And so you're selling dollars. There's no incentive to to sell Bitcoin, to buy dollars, to spend again, if you're spending dollars to buy Bitcoin, right? But the moment that people start getting paid in Bitcoin is the moment that now that shifts and the demand for medium of exchange is going to grow basically in correlation to how much people actually get paid in Bitcoin. And that means transactions need to be cheap enough. And that means that, you know, the the, the economy of Bitcoin has to continue to mature, like the crypto economy has to continue to mature. Well, we'll um, now, measuring
3: transactions in the currency that you're earning. So measuring transactions priced in BTC versus priced in a different currency, I would say. Sorry, go
2: Sorry, can you say that again? I missed that.
3: Yeah, so um, a- another common misconception that I think people make is when they're looking at the price of Bitcoin transactions, they're pricing it in fiat currencies. So, oh, wow, the, the price of a Bitcoin transaction increased in U.S. dollars, but... You have to start pricing exactly. things in BTC there.
2: Well, and even in, even against dollars, like the, the $50, $30 transactions happened for a month in December of last year, right? Maybe two months, right? Yeah. And, and ever since then, it's been about, you know, under $3, right? To get it in within 10 minutes, right? Um, which is still a lot for most countries, right? Like Colombian people, you know, people in Colombia, certainly people in Venezuela. I got a Colombian friend that's an OG. He's been around for longer than I have. And He's like, dude, I don't know what to do. Like, it's too expensive to use now. What do I do, right? And so scalability and the stuff that's happening in Lightning, and, and this is why there's so much gravitas to Lightning within Bitcoin, has to happen. Like, like the scalability has to come. And the scalability will come in, in less de- less decentralized ways, I think. Like, Lightning is slightly less decentralized than Layer 1. That's, I, I, I'd go to bad for that because it's, it's, it's true, but it's, it's, it's a tier less, right? Like it goes from 10 to eight, maybe, right. And centralized exchanges are like, you know, one, and then there's going to be, there's going to be a range of that, right. And, and, and scale will come with some centralization. Bitcoin is a, a giant, right? Bitcoin is bedrock, right? It's, it's so decentralized, it's almost ridiculous, right? It's so strong. It's almost ridiculous, right? Like the proof of work, the amount of energy goes into proof of work is incomprehensible. Right. And that's fine. And the, the stronger, the better. But but compromising some security. So some decentralization for scale will happen in layer two and three and so forth. And and and, you know, you can send crypto with, you know, you can send Bitcoin for one Satoshi fees on Lightning today right now. And it works, assuming that, you know, you're connected to a network. Right. So it'll get easier to use. Um, I think that's going to come, and it's going to have to come for Bitcoin to really um, kind of become dominant as a currency, but yeah, I think, I think we're a ways away because the volatility is just not it's not practical for merchants. That's why Bitpay still exists, right because despite everybody in Bitcoin hating them, Bitpay, BitPay exists because they allow because a bunch of merchants you know can use them because it gives them fiat, right so um, yeah, we have to scale
0: all right, all right. Um- Chris, you had uh, you, you wanted uh well, first of all, I wanted to say people ask to get paid in Bitcoin. That'll help. Uh, nothing wrong with getting paid in Bitcoin. All right, Chris, you probably uh, have some wrap up thoughts on, on everything that's been thrown out there, but I, I know you tried to say something before and you got to get out of here. Would you still have to get out of here pretty soon?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, really I think like, you know, what I've been hearing, it's been a great conversation. I think um, there's a lot of talk about the idea that, that like like Juan was just saying, which I just picked up the Juan Galt thing, John Galt, Juan Galt, I love that. Um, it, it took me 45 minutes, but now I get it. So um, the idea that Bitcoin needs to potentially add slightly um, less decentralized features and layers in order to achieve uh, maximal usefulness, um, which are gonna be optional, I would assume, you know, whether or not use these layers, but that idea is already in execution. And it's the reason that a lot of altcoins exist. Right? Because they're trying these things out. They're testing out these ideas. They're showing that they can work. They're showing that they're not being hacked. <laughs> they're showing that they're capable of scaling. You know, and that's the value in these projects. So when we talk about the next 10 years, we have no idea whether Bitcoin is going to absorb ideas from another cryptocurrency, whether another cryptocurrency is going to be a tag along to Bitcoin as a day-to-day spending vehicle. We just don't know what it's going to look like. But I think for us to, to ignore the rest of innov- all the innovation that's occurring out there just for the sake of our investment so that because so that we can will our bag into growing in fiat value is a mistake. It's fine to want your bank account balance to grow, but it's naive to ignore the other 99% of the innovation that's occurring, even if it's on a blockchain at you, in your brain for some reason, think is like an ugly girl and you don't want to look at it's like so don't be naive don't miss the boat there is no an investor in any regard stock market you know uh, bitcoin anywhere that puts on blinders and just moves straight forward and ignores everything else out there is going to be short sighted and is going to lose in the long run you have to think bigger so yes strong hands yes inconfiscatable, confiscatable yes all that stuff but don't ignore the rest of the world and don't trash it don't listen to the jokers like uh Saifedeen and uh, and all those guys who are constantly telling you, oh, all this other stuff is garbage. Ignore it. Ignore it. There's only one path. Put on your blinders and follow me down my cult road. You know, so that's my parting thought.
0: <laughs> all right, Chris. Uh, th- thank you very much. Always controversial. Uh Chris, wait, wait. Before you go, Chris, do you he's linked to below. You can follow him below. We're going to talk about jobs in the space. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, you've been consulting and stuff. I mean, you're in the space and everything. We're, we're, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, advice for people out there.
1: Advice, um, or my advice is really to absorb as much information as you can. Like there's, there's, it's going to be very hard to find a job if you're completely immersed every day, all day in just Bitcoin. Like you have to know what's going on out there because like I said, the stuff that's evolving on other blockchains could potentially be the future of Bitcoin. Most business that's developing is outside of the Bitcoin world. You know, so there's, there's a very, very big case if you want a job in cryptocurrency you have to branch out you have to understand the whole landscape and beyond finance technology too i'm not a developer but you have to understand the use cases for all of these different platforms you need to know what DeFi looks like on ethereum you might even have to look at eos guys you might have to think about what else is going on out there even if it's not as centralized or decentralized as you want even if you wouldn't put your money there you have to understand it so my advice for career seekers is get out there, learn about it all. Even if you're not gonna invest in it, just understand it and understand the use cases for all these different things.
0: All right, Chris, we will let you go. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. We'll continue the show without Chris. Have a fun time on the beach, man.
1: Been a pleasure, guys.
0: All Thanks. right, see you. Bye, all right, let us, uh, I, I wanted to talk about jobs because uh, Phil, I mean, I, st- I knew about Phil from Twitter. And I was just like, oh, this is a, a cool dude. I went on my show he, and he was on the show before and he, he's been around the space for a while, a great Twitter feed. And then I invited him back on the show. He's like, I'm starting a new job. I was like, whoa. What? So, okay, uh, t- just tell us your story, dad. T- tell us your I mean, he's in motion. This is all yeah, about being in motion. <laughs> he wanted to get into the space uh, and, and now he's got a job in the space. Tell us where you work and, and I mean, that you just moved and everything. It's exciting stuff.
3: Yeah, I'll just uh, give a completely different take than what we just heard from Chris. So. <laughs> it's
0: good, um, that's good to have two different opinions. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, so I, my, my long-term background is I studied econ um, in college and uh, hated it. I hated economics that I learned at my university. Um, so I went into healthcare IT and was doing software implementation for about seven years. Discovered Bitcoin in 2014. And then fell down the Austrian economics rabbit hole, um, and I haven't emerged since. I've gotten even deeper, in, you know, ever since. Um, but yeah, as of 2017, I was able to start uh, going my own way and started doing some uh, consulting and writing. Uh, I've written some Medium posts. I have an article featured on the Block, um, and then listen to. I was actually listening to um, Tales from the Crypt, and I heard Parker Lewis from Unchained Capital talking about the Federal Reserve. Just reached out to him, uh, got connected with him, and uh, yeah, now I'm I'm working with Unchained Capital as the director of product marketing. Um, so I've focused my time essentially 100% on Bitcoin, <laughs> and was able to get uh, connected with, I think, a team that you know really has their heads down and is focused on um, growing the depth of Bitcoin products. So I think there's a couple different trends that we're seeing in the industry, right? We're seeing a lot of exchanges that are going wide and and like a Binance style, where they're trying to get as many different cryptocurrencies as possible. And then we're also seeing um, a little bit now, a few companies that are just going really deep into Bitcoin. Um, And I view Unchain Capital as one of those companies. They're uh, a Bitcoin financial services uh, provider and all of their products are based on a foundation of Multi-sig addresses, so it's really reimagining what financial products can look like, but all using some of the like super strong native functionality of Bitcoin. So for me, that was like super interesting, and uh, I'm, I'm super excited about like the long-term vision of you know what a financial services company built specifically on Bitcoin can look like. So that's what what drew me to them. Now it's not
0: DeFi, it's just Fi with <laughs> B. Yeah. I mean, which is you it's, it's it's BFI. You know, B-fi. they're not trying to they're not trying to pretend to be decentralized. And so I linked to there, they are linked to below. You're in Austin, you moved to Austin, Are you moving to Austin, Texas. It's linked to below. He's actually on their page already. You can see his pretty face on the page with all the other pretty faces on there and everything. Uh so dude, he, he got he's got a job at one of the who knows what this how big this company might get. Again, it's it's doing the finance stuff and There's some. I mean, there are people that want loans. There are people that want their private, you know, for someone else to hold it for them. That's not not necessarily the way I go. Of course, people know that, but it's out there. It's going to be out there. That's what you're doing.
3: Yeah, and you you brought up the loans, which I think they're taking the best possible approach to it, I believe, um, because what you can do is deposit your BTC into a multi-sig address. Unchained Capital holds one key you as a customer holds a key and then a neutral third-party company holds that final key. And then you're able to take out a collateralized U.S. dollar loan. So throughout the duration of the loan, you have a hand on the key and can always verify that the money is where Unchained Capital says it is on the blockchain. Um, and then if anything happens to Unchained, you can work with the neutral third-party to recover your funds. I mean, I, I haven't personally taken a loan out yet, but... If I was going to take a USD loan out on my Bitcoin, that's kind of how I would want to do it rather than just kind of depositing it into an account with a company and maybe not knowing exactly where the money is. Um, I think it's a it's a risk reduced pro- approach. It's still obviously risky, but if you're trying to reduce your risk, that's the way to go.
0: Now, this, this might be a little bit of a flashback for you. This is for my longtime viewers out there who watch this show every week what would JW Weatherman be saying right now? I mean, we would, there would be such a huge fight, yeah. <laughs> but he's not on I, That sometimes he, things just get set up in ways. So uh, yeah, he had some things to say about Casa and I'm sure. Yeah, he, yeah. Actually, <laughs>
3: that. yeah, and you know, there's there's, um, there's a lot of nuance here. And what I would say is that JW is trying to remain as anonymous as possible. And that's great, right? Good for him he should not everybody is attempting to stay as anonymous right and in order to stay completely anonymous you have to go full satoshi and like never move your keys ever again so for those of us who are thinking long term for things like how am i going to pass my btc on to my heirs when maybe they're not nearly as technical i think that there's some benefit in having a bitcoin specialist as part of your team You know, they don't have, Unchained would never have control of your money, but they'd be there, you know, to work with a lawyer or to work with whoever you've given your second key with in the event of, you know, something goes wrong with you. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a spectrum and Unchained is not going to meet the needs of the most anonymous people with our premium products. That said, there are open source tools that Unchained created for people to just use for free without ever even interacting with Unchained. So, you know, Unchained really recognizes the value of those anonymous people. Also recognizes it's just, you know, having a a service, a a financial service company is never going to be able to meet the needs 100% of those anonymous people. So free tools out there, check them out.
0: All right. All these guys are linked to below. Pound that like button. Juan Galt, I want to ask you about, I mean, this is your job. You travel all around, you talk about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. How easy is it for people to get these jobs and be a consultant, or any thought, and also I wanted you to talk about that interview uh, you did with the uh, the uh, the storage device uh, company. But oh, we're, yeah, we're right. talking we're talking about storage. He's t- Phil's mm-hmm. talking about that type of storage, but you're, you you yeah. were talking about a, a competitor of Trezor. But that, that that's a lot on the table right there. So take it away.
2: Sure. Well, first, Phil, congratulations on this new job. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, that's great. And, and all the stuff you're talking about is fantastic. I think um, I, I certainly agree with you that financial services are, are they're definitely going to come to Bitcoin, right? Like like banks, what are banks? Banks are really nice real estate and customer service, and then there's money and finance and stuff. And if we're taking over the the money and then we're cryptographically creating this these contracts, you're still going to need customer support. And it's still nice to have a nice couch to sit on and, and, and people to talk to that understand it because division of labor. People can't, not everybody's going to become a Bitcoin nerd. And um, I'm like, I'm actually doing something very similar. I have a company that I just founded uh, in December. It's called B- BYO Vault or Be Your Own Vault. Uh, so byovault.com. And and what we're doing is, um, I'm basically doing consulting, teaching people, creating ed- educational materials that I'm going to be selling educational materials. And I think going down the route of sort of a teaching inheritance and, and solving inheritance for people and that's fantastic. I mean, you guys are taking it to the next level, doing loans, multi-sig loans. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, trust minimized finance, right? I think that that that's, I definitely see that as the future of UX in a sense, right? Like there's two ways we're gonna reach adoption. It's gonna be like brain melting UX, right? Kind of the stuff that CASA is working on. And then it's gonna be uh, education and, 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 and consulting and financial services. and um, And so, you know, more power to you. I'm going to check out the company. It's very exciting. Yeah. And you
3: know, um, the, other,
2: the other thing that you
3: mentioned, right, is like right now the U.S. dollar loans are the the major product, but there's a lot of ideas that we're playing with internally um, on how we can use this like multi-sig uh, quorum to start offering additional products. So yeah, I think it's, you know, there's always going to be a need it's great. For somebody to like help you out, I think, you know, we're, we're not, we're not all living up in, in the mountains
2: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the mountains. It's beautiful yeah, out there. Yeah, very nice beautiful. relaxing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, I I I'm really excited about multi-sync. I think there's a lot of potential there that hasn't been materialized and it's a real, it's really sad, but I think it's in part because it's just so early, right? We just don't even know how early it is. Right. Like trying to recreate uh contract law with cryptography, right? Like like understanding law is difficult enough. Try to make it cryptographically verifiable and sound, it's just a whole other level. So it's gonna take some time to bring uh functional contracts into cryptography. Uh but I think it will happen and, and it's really it's really exciting area of, of Bitcoin. And I think I think it's much more interesting to explore it in Bitcoin than in Ethereum, because again, like it's like you're kind of on on, on shaky ground, it feels. Um yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're gonna say, out.
0: I asked you about that storage device interview you
2: did. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this guy's reached out to me, um, and they have uh, it's a new company called Engrave.io. Um, they're doing a hardware wallet. It's a new hardware wallet device. We did a full interview for about an hour, and I just asked him some of the tough questions. Um, I don't. I didn't know about them beforehand, and I don't know a whole lot more about them than the interview. I think the interview kind of speaks for itself. I asked all the tough questions. And, and I, like that, I like their approach. It doesn't seem like they're thinking about it uh, quite deeply. Uh, they're, they're adding things that I, I wish Trezor and Ledger had. For example, when you create a master seed, like when you create a, a backup seed on, on, your, on your Trezor, right, or your Ledger, uh, it'll give you the words one at a time and then it'll verify them, right? But there's no, like, like there, back in the day, there was wallets where you could like move the mouse around and moving the mouse would add entropy to it. That's nice. That adds, I feel more comfortable with that. You know, I, I believe that the random generation process on Trezor and Ledger are good, but it's nice to know that I can add some, some influence to that. that. That feature alone is very cool, right? Um, they're going to be adding other stuff. So I'm not, I'm not like a fan. I'm not, like, I'm not necessarily like a fanboy or promoting them at all. It's just kind of a conversation. And I think adding more hardware wallets and, and doing more, more research on more 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 engineering and more innovation on, on crypto security is going to be a huge market coming going forward. They're also talking about inheritance, right? How to deal with inheritance, which is a fascinating problem. Very, I'm very interested in that problem. And, uh, and, the, and they're also talking about it, right? And it, it usually revolves around multi-sig solutions or Shamir secret sharing solutions. And then you have to layer legal, legal sort of structures on top. That's, that's, that's cutting edge. That's one of the stuff that gets me excited so um yeah that was uh, i mean have a look at the at the, at the interviews on my channel all right he, again the
0: twit they're both their twitters are linked to below and you can find out all their info from there they tweet it all out uh both these dudes are very much in motion man Do, doing jobs in the space i like that okay i want to leave with uh i wanted to just cover this as just like the exit question and then we'll get out of here uh a pomp had this uh tweet earlier this week which is getting Forgotten because everyone's like taking off, but this is important. Members of Congress just sent this letter to Facebook asking them to officially stop development of Libra. Wait till okay. Congress finds out that they can't send letters to Bitcoin. Okay, we all understand the second part. We don't need to get into why Bitcoin is better than Libra. But what what do you guys think about this uh, latest development that uh, Libra has gotten the uh, the official letter from Congress? Is it just a bunch of virtue signaling? Does Libra have everybody paid off already that this is going to go through? Uh, what phil we'll start with you
3: you know i i just kind of think back to before bitcoin was invented and a couple different companies attempted to make their own uh sovereign currency and were immediately shut down by i think it was the fbi like raided and completely shut down um i think you know (laughs) Libra is kind of funny to me because it's gonna fail like I can't see it ever you know lasting for the long term because they're trying to peg it to a basket of floating fiat currencies what I think makes the most sense and the the conspiracy theory that I've heard that I think is the best about Libra is it's a way for uh, Mark Zuckerberg to secretly start stacking sats because he'll add BTC to the the basket of currencies so I think it might be you know, maybe his way of, of starting to, to hold some Bitcoin, but who knows. Um, yeah, the letter to Congress is hilarious. It's like an advertisement for Bitcoin. Like, can, uh, who's, who's Congress gonna call up? Like, can somebody get the CEO of Bitcoin on, uh, on the phone? No. Like, it, it'll start incepting that question like, wow, they're trying to shut down Facebook's cryptocurrency. Why haven't they shut down Bitcoin yet? Or any of the other
0: cryptocurrencies? So we well, can't good advertisement. yeah exactly if people get that if people are that deep to understand they should be able to what do do you, Juan? do you think it's a threat a serious threat or is is fate is a uh, libra doomed to be shut down
2: uh i think it's going to be fascinating to watch <laughs> yeah i'm stacking i'm stacking popcorn right now um it's and it's
0: best to be in that position, people. You're not invested yeah. in it at all. You're invested in the real thing, so you can just watch the show. And oh, some yeah. of these hearings will be hilarious, I'm sure, with Maxine Walter- yeah. Waters asking technical questions of Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah, yeah. wow,
2: pound that like. Oh bro. my god, <laughs> oh my god, Maxine Waters. Yeah, talking about asking him about the the, the cryptographic sort of you know verifiability and. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay, so we- how do you solve double spends mark zuckerberg <laughs> all right so, so- um, I, I think i think facebook's coin is going to be um i mean this is great i'm excited because it means that you get a, you get a giant that nobody likes going at, going up against financial bureaucracy that nobody likes and it's going to be a, a collision that's going to be great for all of us so i'm i'm excited uh, obviously, their coin is terribly dystopian, right? Like Facebook coin is just the most dystopian thing I could imagine. Like it's beyond my own ni- my worst nightmares. Uh, so you know that's going to be interesting, dude.
0: dude, dude you, that this is a great way to end this show. That, that, that <laughs> whole, the show. The whole thing that you just said that was that was great, guys. That that, that sums it all. But I do I will give you guys uh, some last words. Phil, do you have anything else to add? Thank you so much for being on today.
3: Um, sure, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like a final comment about uh, referencing what Chris was saying earlier. Like, you know, pay attention to everything else that's happening out there. I would, I would say, like, from a from a market perspective, having a single currency just makes things way, way more efficient for the whole world. So. Like the value proposition of all these like thousands of altcoins that are just going to keep being produced and perpetuated, like, man, I think that it just makes everything more inefficient. And like, if you're a day trader, I get it. Try to, you know, try trading them, try to make some more BTC. But for the rest of us, just keep your eyes on BTC
0: and hold it. It's easy. All right. <laughs> Offended by selling, Adam Meister. All right, Juan, what are your conclusionary remarks here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the future of Bitcoin. I'm excited about this great drama with Facebook and 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 the governments that be right. Zuckerberg wants to be a dictator of his own cyber government, right? More power to him. Let's see how he does in the in the in the in the geopolitical space, right? I mean, governments and politicians and political parties all over the world are looking at it like <laughs> like they want a piece of it. So this is great. I'm excited. I think. I think. I'm also very excited about the social network uh, marketplace. There's a lot of new social networks coming up, and some of them, a lot of them, are crypto friendly. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, and then yeah, crypto finance.
0: That's a that's a great way of putting it. Zuckerberg wants to be dictator of his own uh, virtual country, and sure, I think he should be able to be. I think he should be able to be. I I, I think people will get used to if if this all happens that you don't have to be a real. You know, country you can visit to have your own currency or to have your own dictator. That there can be these virtual countries out there, and Facebook really is becoming that. And again, we don't have to live in that country. So many people think they have to live in that country. In Facebook, you don't don't. have to be a part of it. You you could be, I love being in this Bitcoin overlay where I'm in no country and I just get to watch you know, all these people complain why they're getting banned from YouTube, why they're getting banned. Okay. You didn't have to be there. In the first, it's, it's not necessity. So anyway, very good points there, guys. Thank you very much. We went real long today, but hey, it was a great show. Remember every Friday is this week in Bitcoin. Who knows what time it's coming on, on next Friday. I'll be in Israel next Friday, so it'll be on it early, I guess. Uh, but thank you guests for being on I do a new show here every day. Saturday will be the Beyond Bitcoin show. We'll talk about all sorts of – that'll be Saturday night. But anyway, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Shirts are listed below. Um, Remember, subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video, pound that like button, bang that bell button. Everybody have a great weekend. It's still 4th of July. You're still on vacation. Shabbat shalom. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.